Father, we thank you for this beautiful day to come and proclaim your word. Father, we know that you're already here. Inspire us in a way that we will hear from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text from today will encompass the fifth chapter of 2 Kings, uh, verses 1 through 14. However, um, for the sermon, I'm just going to read a couple, of, a couple of verses, verses 13 and 14 from the text. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had asked you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I want to preach today from the subject, Naaman's Way, A Radical Break from Foolishness. Naaman's Way, A Radical Break from Foolishness. The king of Aram had a great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through Naaman, God had given great victory to Aram. But although Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from the dreaded, uncurable disease of leprosy. At that time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel. And among their captives was a slave girl who was assigned to be Naaman's wife's servant. One day the little girl said to her mistress, I wish that my master would go and see uh, the prophet in Israel, and the prophet in Israel would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman took this information to the king and, of course, requested permission to go, and the king granted Naaman permission to go to see the king of Israel and also gave him a letter. But when the king of Israel read the letter from the king of Aaron, he misinterpreted it, thinking that the king of Aaron was using this letter to start another war with him. Elijah, the man of God there in Israel, heard the dilemma of the king, and so he simply said to the king, sent word to the king, send the, the Naaman to me, uh, and I'll, I'll show him, he'll see that there is a God in Israel. And so Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he waited at the door of Elijah's house. But instead of Elijah coming out to greet Naaman and give him a word from the Lord, Elijah sent his servant out to give Naaman a message from the Lord. And here was the message uh, from God to Naaman. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. He said, I thought that, that, that he would certainly come out to meet me. And of course, Naaman is thinking, um, he's a general, um, he's from Aram, and he's thinking that the man of God is going to come out and, and, and perhaps bow to him and perhaps just tell him what it was that God says, but he doesn't. And so this soldier, this great decorated soldier, this general, if you were, Will, was... Furious. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of his God and that I would be healed. And then he says, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the, the Abana and Farpar, better than any of the rivers in Israel? 
Why should I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. And, and, but his officers went to him and, and in an effort trying to talk some sense into him, they said to him, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan. And he dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became healthy and became like the skin of a little child. And instantly he was healed. The Lord has directed us to share from the subject that I shared with you earlier. Naaman's way of a radical break from foolishness. As I read Naaman's story, I could not help but think of the lyrics of a song which reflects the sinful, unsaved attitude of humanity. This is not the song in its completion, but I want to read enough of, a, of it so that you can get the point. The song uh, is entitled, My Way. It was sung by legendary Frank Sinatra. Quote, And now the end is near, And so I face the final curtain, my friend. I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled every highway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the way, but more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all and I stood tall and I did it my way. For what is man? What has he got? If he's not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels, the record shows. I took the blows and I did it my way. Let's turn our attention now to the text and look for a few moments at Naaman's way. First we see Naaman's way was paved by foolish philosophy. Naaman's way was paved by foolish philosophy. His thinking was faulty. Therefore, so was his behavior. Notice when Elijah sent word to name that he was to go and wash himself in the Jordan seven times and he would be healed of his leprosy. At that point, Naaman should have been praising God and rejoicing all the way down to the Jordan River. Same thinking, good thinking, right thinking would have caused him once he got the word from God to praise God, to rejoice all the way down 
to the Jordan River. But instead of praising God, and instead of being excited, instead of experiencing the joy of the Lord because he had a word from God, Naaman was furious. He was angry. He was outraged. He was fit to be tied. Why? Because his thinking was skewed. Footnotes. One of the signs of skewed, a faulty thinking, is negative self-talk. Listen at what Naaman said to himself in verse 11. Naaman said, indeed, watch this y'all, indeed I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hands over the place and heal the leprosy. Naaman's foolish philosophy, his skewed thinking, deceived him into believing that he had the right to tell God what to do as well as how to do it. My dearly beloved brothers and sisters in the Lord, we must be careful not to demand of God how he should move in our lives. We must be careful not to demand of God how he should do whatever it is he wants to do in our lives, in us and through us. We must be mindful not to take on the attitude that we are in the driver's seat, that we are calling the shots, that we can demand of God and tell God what to do and how. To do it. See, Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and 6 that we are to make our request, we are to make our request known unto God, but that's a far cry from demanding that God does things our way. Second, we see Naaman's way was paved by missing the mark. Naaman's way was paved by missing the mark. This is evident by his questions and his behavior in verse 12. Notice the text. Naaman asked, Are not the Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Could I not bathe in one of them and be cleansed? So he turned and went away in a rage. Notice, Naaman is completely, unequivocally missing the mark. He's not even in the same ballpark. So he turned and he walks away in a rage. Naaman, Naaman is completely missing the, the part, the mark. He's allowing, look at what he's doing. He's allowing nationalistic prejudice to come into play, citing that the rivers in his homeland of Damascus are better than the waters of Israel. Naaman misses the mark completely. He fails to see that the issue on the table is not about Damascus. It's not about Israel. It's not about rivers. The issue on the table really is not even about leprosy. The issue on the table is obeying what God 
says. And so he's putting up a smoke screen. He's angry. He's completely missing the mark. He's dodging the bullet as it were. The issue on the table is not about Lamus, even Lamus, leprosy. Leprosy was just the vehicle God used to, to break Naaman and to get Naaman to Elijah so Elijah could tell Naaman what the will of God is for his life. You see, what Naaman needed was spiritual transformation. What Naaman needed was religious reform. What Naaman needed was sacred sanctification. But he was missing the mark. He was resisting the change. He was relentlessly trying to make his way back to normal. He was aggressively trying to have his way. He was completely missing the mark. God was saying to Naaman, Naaman, it's not about you having your way. It's about me having my way in your life. And Naaman was fighting God. My dear beloved in the Lord, I submit to you today that leprosy in our land is a call of God for transformation. It is a call of God for reform. It's a call of God for long overdue change in our nation, in our world, in our churches, in our homes, and even in our personal lives. For you see, God is calling us, you and me, to examine ourselves. And God is calling us to look at our motives. God is calling us to take serious inventory and evaluate our modes of op op operation. God is challenging us to stop trying to get back to Damascus, stop trying to get back to the old practices, the old procedures, and the old processes, by the way, which made us look more like the world and less like Jesus. So let us not resist God. Let us not miss the mark. Let us not push back or push away at what God is doing in our lives. Well, let us keep our eyes on Jesus. Let us bend our will to his will. Let us say, God, whatever you're doing in this season, we're all in. God, our eyes are open. We want to learn what it is you have for us to learn. We want the dross that you won't burn off of us, the impurities that you want out of our lives. We want those things gone, God. So we're not resisting. We're listening. We're looking. We're learning. Third, we see Naaman's way was paved by a cry for control. Naaman's way was paved by a cry for control. No doubt about it, Naaman was a control fanatic. Look at verse 13b. So he turned and went away in rage. 
Naaman was a control freak, a control fanatic. The text says when he couldn't have his way, he turned and went away in a rage. For you see, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, Naaman was a powerful man. He had the support of the king. He was the most highly decorated military commander in the army. Naaman had grown accustomed to giving orders, not taking orders. Naaman was the man in charge. He gave the orders. He didn't take orders. He told people what to do, and they did it. He had grown accustomed to that. He had grown accustomed to giving orders and not taking orders. And one of his control buttons was rage. People would undoubtedly say about him, don't get the general mad at you. You don't want to be the target of his rage. So here's reality. God, nor the man of God, Elijah, was moved one bit by Naaman's rage. And let me say that again. Naaman's rage did not face God, did not bother Elijah one bit. Naaman's rage did not move God or move Elijah to come out of the house one bit. You see, he may have been able to control and manipulate his men. And in fact, perhaps even he was able to control and manipulate Miss Naaman and the children back at the house. But he could not control God and he could not control the prophet of God. Here's the point of contact. As born again, spirit-filled believers in Jesus Christ. We have no need to fear the rage of people. Here's why. Because no man, no woman, no boy, girl, no person died on the cross to save us from our sins. No one has a heaven or a hell to put us in. Save God alone. Jesus alone died to save us. Jesus alone rose from the grave with all power. Jesus alone is sovereign rule of the world. Therefore, the church and God's people should fear God and God alone. Fourth, we see Naaman's way was paid by a desperate dilemma. Look at verse 13. It states, and his servant came near and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Naaman is facing a desperate dilemma. Here it is, y'all. He's at a crossroads. His life is literally hanging in the balance by a thread. Like Humpty Dumpty, he sat on the wall. Like Humpty Dumpty, he had a great fall. Like Humpty Dumpty, all of the king's horses and all of the king's men and all of the king's chariots and all of the king's resources could not put Naaman together again. You see, what Naaman needed... It's not more military rank 
What Naaman needed was not more money. What Naaman needed was not more power and prestige. That wasn't what Naaman needed. What Naaman needed now more than anything else was something that the king couldn't give, his money couldn't give, his power, prestige, and prominence couldn't give. What Naaman needed was a touch from the true and the living God. So here's the reality. The world is facing a desperate dilemma. And like Naaman and like Humphrey, there's been a great fall in no amount of human plans, no amount of human programs, no amount of human policies and procedures can fix it. Our world needs God. Our world needs to see Jesus, and that's our point of contact. We are the ones who are supposed to show them Jesus Christ, whom the world desperately needs. Fifth and finally, we see Naaman's obedient outcome. That's the good news, y'all. Naaman's obedient outcome. He was at a crossroad. He could have gone right or he could have gone left. He could have gone up or he could have gone down. But Naaman was obedient. Notice the outcome in verse 14. So he went down. That's right, y'all. He got off of his high horse. He laid his arrogance aside. He laid... His selfishness aside, he got down, he went down, and he dealt seven times. Not one time, and two times, not three, four, and five times, not six times and calling it a day, but he was completely obedient to God. Naaman dealt seven times. He did what God told him to do. His flesh was restored like the flesh a little, of a little child. He was clean. You see, y'all, this story, this story has a happy ending because Naaman chose to obey God rather than go his own way. Naaman chose to obey God and turn his back on his own foolishness. He stopped stalling. He stopped resisting he stopped making excuses. He stopped attempting to manipulate God and other people. He stopped trying to control God and his circumstances and even other people. He simply obeyed God and was blessed. And this is the message of the text. This is the message of Naaman that our blessings are not somewhere floating around in the atmosphere. Our blessings is not, are not tied into what other people say or think or even when we sit, where we send our money. Our blessings are intrinsically tied to our obeying God. It's simple. If you want to be blessed, obey God. Naaman had a choice to make. He could have gone back to Aram, mad a leper, and died as a leper. Yet he chose to obey God. That's where some of us are today. We can go down 
in our own selfishness and pride and ambition. Or we can surrender to God and say, God, I am obeying you from this day forward. When we obey God, we get blessed. I've been amazed and I've been marveling at the blessings of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Through the years, how God has blessed us and blessed our members. But the blessing is not because we're so great, we're so good. The blessings are because we serve an awesome God and we obey Him. And when we obey Him, we get blessed. In other words, Naaman made a radical break from foolishness. And his life was never the same. There might be someone listening to me today and you need to make a radical break from foolishness. You've been doing life your way and it's not working. You know it's not working. You've been striving and trying. You have all of the accolades. You have the education. You have the money. You got the job. You got all of those things, but your life is miserable because you have not made that radical break with foolishness and turn your life over to the true and living God through Jesus Christ. If that's you today, we invite you to Christ. You may want to pray something like this. Father, I know I'm a sinner. And today, I confess my sins and I'm making a radical break with my foolishness. I'm inviting Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we, we welcome you to the family of God and encourage you to connect with the church, either virtually or through your family or friends, where you can grow in your faith. It's now time for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. On that night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it. Gave it to his disciples and said, eat, take this and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Let us eat together. Likewise, in the same manner, he took the cup and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This cup represents Jesus shedding his blood, washing away all of our sins. Let us drink together. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord always be gracious unto you. May he grant you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen.